When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As soon as people realize that they're at choice, as soon as they realize that everything that's around them secretly is a product of what they subconsciously want, they can realize that they can actually go get whatever they want. And as soon as they realize that they're at choice to go get whatever they want, the path to go get it somehow magically will appear in front of them. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, you get it, we're FNA Van Life. Today, we have a very special guest. But first, before we get into that, happy freaking New Year. Yes, absolutely. We hope that you all rung in the New Year with style. And if we you're, did. Yeah, well, I mean, our style was going to bed at 9 p.m. And then snowboarding the day before and after. Oh, my God, we were both, like, just wrecked exhausted from snowboarding we've been waking up at like six in the morning to get over to get like the primo parco so we could literally snowboard right back to the car which is well worth it too because then we have the best lift because we're at winter park right now and also the conditions here have been phenomenal so we couldn't ask for more we did run into an issue though yeah we're just always running into winter issues i feel like if you want to know anything about how to live in a van in the winter and like what to expect. Where are your people? Hey, yo, we're figuring it out for you. No F&A, worries, guys. FNA's here for you. <laughs> if you saw our most recent YouTube video, you'll know that we were having some trouble with our heater when we were at Elevation in Big Sky, Montana. Um, and here in Colorado, we are also at Elevation. We're at 9,000 feet just at the base of the mountain. So the mountain here extends all the way up to 12,060 feet, which is hella high. I mean, you start to have a little bit of breathing issues in that area. And even where we are, you have a little bit of an altitude adjustment for sure. Well, our heater needed that altitude adjustment for sure. And we did it and still came across an issue down the road. I'm looking at Frank's fingernails right now. They are caked in black. He literally spent the morning like ripping apart the heater, trying to fix it. We didn't have to do... 100% of the fix that we did in the video, which was literally tearing the whole thing apart. I think I just made a temporary fix for the time being. I feel like at any moment it's going to fail again. (laughs) And then I'm going to have to, you know, get back in there and rip the whole thing out. But hey, you know, it's good enough. The fact that it is about five degrees outside right now and we're sitting in 67 degrees inside our van. You know, we're very comfortable and happy. We do have a backup heater, the little Mr. Buddy propane heater. Is a great backup, and if we have to use it, you know, we do what we got to do. Yeah, I feel like van life makes you very thankful for all of those little things that you might take for granted, like central heating. Um, you know, especially in the winter, you're always exposed to the elements in a van, you know, if it's raining really hard and your roof is leaking or, you know, whatever the case might be. But I feel like in the winter, you feel it so much more because the temperatures are just so much more extreme. I mean, technically we have central heating, but we would have to run the van for it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you don't want to idle your vehicle all night. Someone in the comments was like, just run your car all night. It'll be fine. We're like, 
and just destroy our alternator? Well, not even the I wouldn't be I don't know what part of the engine, but no. destroy something. Yeah, you would be overheating your van over time. Basically, especially if you have a gas uh, vehicle, gas is notorious for if you idle it too long, it would actually start to uh to overheat your vehicle and your secondary fan would run a lot. Like I accidentally one time when I had my Jeep Wrangler before we left on our van life travels, I accidentally left my car on because I was so tired from working the night before that I just got into my work vehicle and forgot to shut off my Jeep. And it just, it literally kept running. Yeah. He got back to the For car eight and hours. was like, oh shit. Eight hours. I got back to the car. Actually, it was probably more like nine to ten hours after driving to work and driving back home. And when I got back, the freaking van was hot. I mean, the Jeep was hot. I mean, you could feel it in the steering wheel. like that. And there was nothing running. You know, it was just literally the van, uh, the Jeep running the whole time. Yeah, do not do that. I mean, obviously, if you're in a dire situation and it's like life or death, you got to stay in your van and like, you know, it is what it is. Sure, but, like, try to get somewhere warmer. Like, for us, it was leaving elevation and getting back closer to sea level. Well, and I will say, even, like, idle in your van to heat it up. We have so much insulation in here that it actually stays pretty warm inside the van, even overnight, uh, when you're at, like, 20, in the 20-degree area. You know, but when you start dropping down into that 5-degree area, you really need a heat source. Absolutely. So... We hope that you guys are staying nice and warm and cozy and are enjoying the new year. We are going to jump into this conversation with Daniel. He is a CEO living in a bus. and Him and his family. Yeah, his family. We thought that was so cool. They're traveling around the country. They just made it back home for Christmas when we were talking to him um, to do a couple of refits. Um, And I think a lot of people can relate. Once you live in a van for a little while or a bus or whatever you're living in, The longer you live in it, the more you realize, oh, this could get a little fix, that could get a little fix, this could get a big fix, you know? I think it was pretty elegant the way that he describes it, though, because it's one of those things where it's, uh, you know, when it starts to become super uncomfortable, it's time to upgrade it or change it, you know, and make make the lifestyle a little bit different for yourself. That way, it's a little bit more comfortable. Uh, It doesn't have to be like, you know, living exactly in a house, you know what I mean? But you want it to be fairly close to it. Yeah, you want to be comfortable in your space. And speaking of making things comfortable, he is the CEO of a shaving company called Henson Shaving. And we're going to have a special coupon code for all of our listeners on the podcast so that you can get a discount on the razor. He's going to kind of explain it a little bit more. And We I would mean, go into it, but he explains it way oh, better. Oh, wow. He does a great job. And by the end of it, you're probably going to be like, yes, I need one of those too. And don't worry, guys, if you're here for bus life or van life, most of the conversation is about that. But we were also very interested in the business that he was running while being on the road. And it's just kind of wild to hear all the different ways that people make money on the road and especially like becoming a CEO of a big company. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest questions that you see in the Facebook groups and stuff is how to make money on the road, how to have a business, you know, how to be a digital nomad. And we really get into all of that, all the dynamics of running a business from a bus and what you need. And so I think that, you know, the conversation will speak for itself. So let's dive right in. Thank you so much for joining us today, Daniel. We're really excited to talk. Why don't you just give us, you know, like a quick rundown of who you are, what your rig looks like, and what kind of life on the road is looking like for you right now. Great. 
Uh, so first I'll introduce, introduce myself. My name is Daniel. I'm the CEO of Henson Shaving. I'm a father of three and husband. We have a 32-foot uh, 2006 uh, International, uh, pardon me, a Bluebird. And uh, it is a uh, bunks at the back and master front layout. And so our three kids are all in the bunks at the back. And um, we're, uh, we're actually at home right now. We're in between stretches. We're headed out again shortly and uh, just doing some work on the bus. So yeah, we're running the business uh, from here uh, remotely, or we're running the business the last uh, 75 days. And uh, now we're at home just doing some renos and repairs and uh, getting up to speed. Before we get into the business aspect of this, what got you into bus life? What made you want to jump into a bus, build it out, get you and your kids there and, and, and start this lifestyle? Well, there's two different chapters to that question. The first chapter is uh, why mobile versus stationary? That's one question. And then the second question is why bus versus traditional RV? Um, so I'll start with the first part as to why mobile. We are, I wouldn't say that we suffer from FOMO, but we definitely love uh, exploring. We, we always want to see new places and experience new things. And so you know, it's kind of like, I always tell people, it's always like if you have ice cream, right? Like the first three bites of ice cream are amazing. And then it kind of just tapers down. Do you know what I mean? Like the first experience is like amazing. So we, we, we have this thing where if we're gone, you know, we're, we're at, it's just, we're at the best experience. And then when you come home, you're like, oh my God, a toilet that flushes. You know, like you, you, you kind of have this like fresh sense of experience all the time where you're always in a fresh situation. Uh, you know, you were saying in your last video, you were like, you know, you don't like to be at any one place for any too long period of time. Uh, that's more for security reasons. But there's also something to like, you know, it's like when you go on a cruise ship, that first day when you get to explore, that's the funnest day. You know, like day nine, you're like, yeah, I know. I know what's in the food court. You know, like I know I've already tried everything. So like day seven and after is good, but it's kind of like not as good as day one, two and three. So we always like being on the move because it's always this fresh sense of where we are. Um, that's the reason we like being mobile. Why we chose a bus? First of all, I think it's freaking cool. Like, no matter where we go, we we have like people in like half million dollar rigs. They're like, hey, can I take pictures? I'm like, seriously, bro? Like, we don't have toilets that flush. You want to take pictures? Like, what am I looking at here? So um, everywhere we go, it's a scene and a scenario. We didn't actually expect that, but um, it definitely was like a uh, someone came up to us and they were like, Hey, just going to be honest with you. I was intimidated to talk to you. I was like, you're intimidated to talk. Like, did I miss a memo here that like, you know, all of a sudden buses got really cool, but um, no, it was primarily, it was cost driven. We, we didn't, we didn't want to spend $200,000 on a rig, you know, where we're from, there's a 13% sales tax. Like, and we're talking 20, 30 grand just in taxes to get a rig. And I'm going like, you know, the other day I wanted my iPad holder in a different spot. I just drilled a new hole in the wall. And now the iPad is where I want it. You know what I mean? Like you have an RV. It's like you kind of work with what they give you versus we've got three bunks at the back under each bunk. We lift up. We've got all the storage. We've just got it really the way that it serves us. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that customizing, uh, that customizability, the ability to be customized that was really attractive. And also, why are we all, you know, consuming this giant new, or these things are floating around. You can get them for like eight, nine grand and do some work on them. And all of a sudden, now we didn't do a lot of the work uh, to be clear, but um, the idea of reusing something that was just, you know, I wouldn't say like a byproduct or going to be wasted or recycled, but um, the idea of putting new life behind something and giving it a whole new chapter is just 
amazing. And it's cheap. Why not? You're definitely reducing, reusing and recycling by taking a bus that, you know, used to cart kids around and now, you know, it's got this new life as an RV. And even if you, you know, go to sell it, you know, you've created more value in what this vehicle is than when you first got it for that eight or nine grand or whatever. So it's definitely increasing the value and the usability of it and the lifespan of the vehicle as well. There's something that's happened in consumerism, like where it's not okay to get something used and, you know, fix it up where I think we need to go back to that and, you know, buy parts to fix things and to rebuild because then, you know, we have way less waste than what we're creating right now as humanity. Yeah. I mean, I think that we all have a responsibility to be, I think the word is good stewards of Mm -hmm. resources. Do you know what I mean? Like, I always tell my kids like, Hey, if I can hand you something and you manage it well, you know, um, then, then all of a sudden that, that tells you and me that, you know, you appreciate what you have. And so I think that we need to be good stewards of our resources that we've been given. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we wallow in the dirt and don't consume. That just means that we're good stewards of the resources that we have. And for us, it wasn't a good, you know, we worked really hard for our our money. We we built businesses and those businesses kept me from my kids and, and those businesses consumed my energy and my and my passion. They consumed a currency that I have, which is my time. And I exchange that time for money. And then the government takes their piece and we we disperse it. And then you kind of have this pile that's left over. And, you know, when you when you have a pile of money that's left over after so much work, you know, you find yourself like really careful with it. And the idea of buying a hard asset, brand new, sparkly and beautiful, and really not knowing a few things. Number one, what are what do we want? What is it that we're looking for? What is the family going to actually need? How many people start a trip and at the end of the trip, they're like, nothing changed. Do you know what I mean? You need to like experience it a little bit to know what it is that you're looking for and what works for you. So we said, look, why are we going to go buy a 250 just because we got the money? Like, what are we like 10 here? Like daddy just gave me the allowance. I'm going to spend it. What is that? So we were like, no, we're going to like buy something that's affordable and we're going to buy something that when we're done with it, we didn't actually consume anything. We didn't consume any depreciation. I don't want to buy a $225,000 RV to then have when my circumstances change a $160,000 RV. Mm -hmm. Why would I take this depreciation? Why would I take this loss? I worked so hard for this money. Mm -hmm. So what we are looking at is a situation where we're totally flexible. We can choose, you know, someone said to me, we were shopping for RVs and they're like, Hey, how long are you going to stay at each campsite? I was like, well, I don't have a clue. How how am I? I haven't left yet, man. Like how, what is that? You know? So we had no idea, are we going to be a mobile family? Are we going to be on the road? Are we going to stay for long periods? And so we had to experience that. So the the schoolie was a really good way to do that because you can buy a really good one for 30,000 bucks, do some really nice work, make it a little nicer, which we haven't done yet. And then when you sell it, you know, you're looking at that 30, 40, maybe even 50,000 range if you've done a good job. So the idea I said to some, I said to my wife, I said, I, I don't want to put money into stocks and bonds. I'm just not that good at gambling or guessing, whatever you call investing. I'm just not that good at it. And I said, I want to put my money into something where I can play with it, but I don't lose it. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like a cottage yep. that goes up in value or a bus that goes up in value. Then I can, mm-hmm. I can like, what are you going to do? Like have a, you know, Scrooge McDuck, you have a money fight. Like, what is that? You got to do <laughs> something with your money that you can enjoy. And the idea of putting it into a schoolie where I didn't have this, enjoyment but also loss tension meant that i could relax and enjoy it a lot more so we've had a we've had a great time so far 
I love what you're saying about, you know, a depreciating asset versus an appreciating asset. You know, the traditional thought process around buying an RV is that you are going to lose money, basically. Like, as soon as you drive it off the lot, that vehicle is worth less than it was five minutes ago. Whereas Mm -hmm. with a school bus or, you know, converting something yourself, you're adding value to the vehicle. And especially the way that the market is right now, you could be adding a lot of value to the vehicle because people don't want to you know, builders are very expensive. A lot of people can't build their own rigs themselves. So if they could walk into something that's turnkey like an RV, but was self-built, you know, you built it for X amount, but you could sell it for X amount more than what you have in it. So actually you're making a good financial decision. That's exactly right. The idea is, is, you know, if we can, I'm, I'm a, my personality profile, I'm an eight. I like fun. I like honesty. I like integrity. I like transparency and I like justice. Those are the things like you can go read me in a book. I'm not original. I'm nothing new. I'm literally an eight. So what I want to do is have the absolute most amount of fun I can while not depleting a resource. So um, the idea of buying something that we could make money on, imagine getting paid. Like someone said, like, if you buy the right artwork, your passion can be a revenue stream. Well, I don't know anything about art, so that rules that one out. Hmm. And so I'm just like, I want to buy something where when I'm done with it, it's worth more than when I when I first got it. And so that's the idea. And now, don't get me wrong, I you know we would we would be you know when you go to the sites, you, you meet everybody, and it's a ton of fun. And then all of a sudden, you walk into someone's RV, and they have like heated floors, and you're like, mm. you know what? Okay, I mean. <laughs> you know, it makes you rethink, you know, maybe a quarter million dollars isn't so, but then, you know, uh, they're, they're all coming over and looking at ours and going there. Everybody, everybody's jealous of everybody else. So it's just, mm. everybody wants what they don't have. So we just thought, you know, let's get content with what we have and be happy. And so now we thought, you know, do we water our lawn and make our grass greener or do we go and buy something a little more formal? And we decided let's water our lawn. So we're going to double down on this bus and fix up a bunch of things that are not wrong, but you know, what you want to do is you want to find that sweet spot between comfort and um, roughing it, mm-hmm. you know, roughing it is the altruistic, you know, you know, we're just on solar panels here. We never plug in. And then there's like, you know, you know, I've got heated massage seats over here, even though I'm on a campsite, it's like, I'm watching my 60 inch 4k at a campsite. I don't know if we call that camping. So you got to find this line between comfort and I would call it sustainability, meaning we're at home right now because this van or this bus wasn't comfortable enough. Flat Mm -hmm. out. We are at home right now because the chair that I'm sitting on this memory foam mattress grew uncomfortable over a while and I wasn't sleeping well. And Mm -hmm. the shower is not big enough. And I found myself not having showers as as much as I wanted to have. So there was things that are not uh, the way they need to be about this bus. And those things then started to get in the way of the bus. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So now yeah. we, now in my opinion, that's a, a, a meter saying we're now too far on the roughing it scale because we would wake up and say, you know, kind of wish we were back where we had running water because I only have a three gallon gray water tank under the sink. It's like, well, do you brush your teeth? We just wait. I got to empty this tank every day. Oh, it's, it's squirted on my legs. Better go change my, <laughs> you know, my pants now. Like, there's just these costs that, you know, add up over a period of time. And then those costs not going to add to each their own. And you guys do your life. We do our life, but the math behind inconveniences compiled with three children are exponentially more. Every inconvenience is a bigger inconvenience. Mm -hmm. So, because you not only need to like manage this environment, you need to manage this environment and people within the environment and then take on top of that managing a company 
Now, all of a sudden, you need to be cognizant of the business and its variables, cognizant of the bus and its variables, cognizant of your children and their variables. And it's kind of like if you had like a balloon. I always tell people that managing a company is like having this giant float downtown New York City. And there's 15 people. You got investors, you got employees, you got your wife, you got your family, you got all the different the, the different recipients of the benefits of this company, all kind of walking with like a 10 foot extension cord tethered to it. And they all are kind of walking in their own direction. And you're the CEO, your job is to like, make sure everyone's kind of walking and avoiding all the obstacles, but this guy wants to go over here, but there's a light post there. So we have to get him to navigate with mm-hmm. everybody. So the bus is uh an experience like we've never had in our lives, but at the same time, the additional variables it puts on, it put on my brain found it such that either I need a bus that's a lot more comfortable, autonomous and automatic, like um, a lot of things have to be easier or it's necessarily drawing resources from my brain that are taking away from something that I need to give resource for, which is the company. So again, finding that comfort sweet spot The bus is a little bit too close to not comfortable right now. And so we said, let's just improve it. So that's what we're here doing. Yeah. Like you said, the, to water your grass, right? What you're doing now by bringing the bus back home is watering your grass. You're going to fix those inconveniences that you have. You're going to upgrade, you know, the foam that's on the mattress. You're going to make it to where you're more comfortable. So that way the lifestyle becomes more sustainable for longer periods of time. And like what you were talking about, Time is like money, but it doesn't only have to be a money thing. It could also be, like you said, fun, right? Yes. And if that time is taken away from your fun, then that time isn't being used properly. So to get yourself back in a good situation to where you can have that fun, create that money, and then time is way more valuable and you're able to enjoy your life the way that you like it. That's it. Are you loving our podcast? Well, we have a way for you to get one more a month. By joining our Patreon community, you get exclusive access to a one-hour podcast ad-free every single month that does a deep dive into what it's really like to live on the road. Depending on which tier you select, you could even get free merchandise. Check out the link below and join the Patreon community today. You also get access to tons of behind-the-scenes content from our YouTube channel, too. Now back to the podcast. Beautiful. I think that's also why a lot of people do these big shakeout trips, right? Like... In the whole van life thing, it's a lot about how it looks on Instagram and how beautiful it is and all this stuff. And then you spend all this time and money making it that way. And then you get out on the road and you realize, oh, this water system doesn't work for us. Or, oh, this is not, you know, like I need my iPad in a different place. So having like um, doing these trips before it's 100 percent there is actually a really good thing because now you get to kind of design and mold as you go to make it the right thing for you and the people that you're traveling with. Yeah. You know, there's this, I was, we were talking to the kids the other day and um, the bus has been a a really cool opportunity to teach the kids really basic things in life because they're more apparent, you know, the, the, a good object lesson or a good analogy is an analogy that everybody can connect with because they've experienced it. So the kids sitting here, um, you know, we were talking and I said, Hey, you know, there's two ways to kind of have a problem happen to you. One is where it happens to you and it bugs you. The other is where it happens to you and you decide that you want to solve it, you know? And so I said, how many of the bus's problems have we been solving? So here are the fishing rods on the floor. 
is the bus beating us up or are we taking control? They're like, no, the bus is beating us up. We're falling victim to the bus. Look at that. The fishing rods are on the floor. We just bought them. Let's give it a couple of weeks and we'll just trip over them for a while. And it's like, hey, what if we were to take a few minutes and go and fix that problem? And then all of a sudden the fishing rods were away and we found ourselves fishing more because getting them was easier. And the kids got to fundamentally realize that a problem can kick your ass. And if you let it, the problem will just keep beating you up. Problems don't usually fix themselves. They got to experience the hands-on real life. This thing beat me up for two months because I let it beat me up. And then as soon as I realized that I'm dominant over variables around me and I'm in control and I'm at choice, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden becomes around me is just an opportunity of what I want to fix and what I don't want to fix. So we were saying, look, the bus is beating us up. We're not okay with that. We're in control. This is a, this is an inanimate object. It has no feelings. It will do what it will do. I'm going to control it. And so what we did was we came home and now we've got our shopping list and we're going to just completely take control of this bus. We're going to just own it. We're going to make it ours. I love that. Can you break down, like how old are your kids? How do they like being on the road? Is there anything specific like school or, you know, their friends or things like that that's been a challenge that you've had to overcome as well? Uh, well, everything really. Um, everything is an opportunity to, to overcome. And, uh, you know, it really comes down to costs and benefits. Like, um, you know, we came home after, but this is our, this is our, we just did 75 days. And when I was a kid, I always wanted to go on a missions trip and I wanted to go on a missions trip. Uh, and for those who don't know, that's, um, uh, a, a, an opportunity as a, a teenager to go to another country and evangelize or, um, sort of help the needy. And I always wanted to go there. And the selfish reason I wanted to go there is because I wanted to feel what it was like to come home to running water after witnessing no running water. I wanted that contrast. I wanted that perspective. And gosh sakes, when we came home, we all kind of just opened our jaw and looked at how big we, we have a 1500 square foot bungalow. We're not, we don't have a big house. We're just, we came home and we're like, oh my God, we get bedrooms. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so when we got back, it was this really a fresh perspective of thankfulness. And so what happened was when we, we kind of realized when we got back, actually how much fun we had, the bus was very inconvenient. We're talking very inconvenient and we didn't care, you know, other than like some, some comfortable couches and some minor things, but it was not front and center on our list. Like going out and pulling a generator got annoying. It just, it never got annoying. We just kind of did it. And so when we got home, we were like, wow, was this a, a, a good trip? Like we just had the time of our lives and it's imagine scoring a 10 out of 10. And then you look back on the math test and you're like, we got five answers wrong. how did we get a 10 out of 10? It's like, holy crap, you got 15 out of 10 and you got five wrong. Holy smokes. What would happen if we got those five right? We could get 15 out of 10. Holy smokes. So we had the best time of our lives in a bus that didn't serve us. So the kids would do uh, the kids are doing schooling on their iPads and with Rachel, my wife, uh, she does accounting for our company, but then she's also a full-time uh, mom and uh, loves that. <clears throat> and so um, the kids basically, I'm not going to say they kind of came out of their shell, but the idea have you ever, if you watch a kid for the first three minutes after they put an iPad away and then the next 10 minutes after that, Take that and zoom out for like the first two weeks of the trip. The first two weeks of the trip were like the first three minutes after an iPad. They're kind of like, they kind of like woke up. And then all of a sudden it's like two weeks in and you're, you're not, 
hey, what's going on? Where's the, you're like, Jack, like, well, that was awesome. Was he? He's like, yeah, dad, like that was like, they're dialed in. Their frequency comes down. They're way more connected. They're almost grounded. We did like exercises where we walked a lot on our bare feet on the earth, like not like doing anything crazy. Just, we just thought, Hey, let's walk on the earth with our body. Like let's lie on the beach with no towel. Like let's experience the ground. So, and I swear their reactions came down, their frequencies came down, their energy levels went up. We found ourselves like not really enforcing bedtime because they didn't turn into buttheads the next day. Like the, 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 they became kids that we were hanging out with and kind of like, you know, they, they, they started contributing a lot more to like things like humor. You know, it's not just, I'm, we're not just keeping them alive. Now they're like bringing jokes to the table. You know, they're, they're bringing new ideas for what to do tomorrow to the table. They're responsive in their dialogues. They're awake. They're cohesively responsive. They're alive. And then, you know, if, you know, if you go back home and, you know, you get sucked into the the vortex machine of being busy again, we're, we're worried we're going to lose that. So that's where we're kind of going back and forth on like, well, how long, how how long are we home for? You know, jump back out again and meet our kids again. Yeah. Well, I guess you'll see after the holiday season and stuff and you get these things done on the bus. It sounds like it's been a really great experience for the kids. You know, obviously a lot of people have moved to the homeschooling you know, in virtual school by way of the pandemic and things like that, were your kids always kind of involved in the online school or was it like a product of the last year or so? Yeah, it was a product the last year or so was online because the kids go to a Christian private school. We, you know, we send our kids to a private school and the the number one criteria for where we send the school is where the kids are going to learn that they're loved independent from their actions. That's our only real criteria. Like scholastics, don't get me wrong. If you want to be a heart surgeon, they're going to be important. I think a lot of problems in life are connected to kids who haven't accepted unconditional love from their parents, Mm -hmm. meaning love they don't have to perform for. Mm -hmm. And so having a teacher who says, look, your value is fixed. Your value is, is, is established. What your grades are, not irrelevant, but pretty irrelevant. You are valuable and you are loved. That was number one. So they went to that school, which by happened to have a really great uh, curriculum as well. And when COVID hit, um, what would happen was, again, with that balloon and everybody being tethered to it, now imagine a teacher with 20 students. Um, everyone was moving around. So what we said was it was really difficult for us to sort of follow the bouncing ball of the curriculum when we were at home. We almost just said, can we just like do the curriculum at our pace? You know what I mean? Like, and that way, you know, we could we could meet with the kids and 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 bring experiential learning into their curriculum and um you know talking to the kids jack the jack calculates the mileage jack understands and by the way if there's anybody listening who wants to like teach math to children uh, my business has been math for a long time and i've worked with a lot of phd's and you name it basic arithmetic folks basic arithmetic you need to learn how numbers and letters work Let number arithmetic teaching kids how to calculate miles per gallon in their head will have a, a, it will teach them that numbers are a part of life. Anyway, Mm -hmm. not like I'm a parenting person who have any knowledge. I'm just having had 30 math people work for me. I wish that more PhDs in pure math understood basic arithmetic, but separate from that, the kids learning. And for me, I learned very little that I remember from traditional school. I learned when I cared about the information and then I used the learning to apply the information to something I would benefit from. Teaching the kids online schooling in a world so hands-on as bus living, it it gives you, you don't have to look very far to put the math to work. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You could be like, Hey, what's a common fraction or what's a, you know, how do we find a common denominator? It's like, okay, cool. You know, let's next time tomorrow, when we go and look at the gas price, let's try to cut it into two and see if we can't find out how common denominators work. So I find that kids in the bus environment is so much more easy to work with because I feel there's less that you're competing with. Mm -hmm. And if you're competing with less um, I mean, like, uh, look at Tesla and what they're doing with electric cars. Nobody's competing with them. There's nobody right now who is in the United States is a reasonable competitor to Tesla. They're un, they're un, uh, what do you call it when a, when a fighter is being challenged? They're, they're un Class of their own. They're a class of their own. And the reason that they're a class of their own is primarily because early days, um, in addition to having a great product and good direction, they were very focused. They were mm-hmm. a very focused company and they tackled the one problem at a time and they did very well doing that approach. And so we've kind of taken that same strategy where the first thing we wanted to do when we got into the bus was just to cut out a lot of the distractions from the kid's life. Now, what that impacts have on social and what impacts that have on a uh, daily routine, these are all to be determined and to be figured out by each each family to their self. What we found is I found myself like, maybe I was a little jealous. Like I wanted to like not have my kids, you know, distracted. My kids were coming back to me with like lessons that they learned on YouTube. And I was like, okay, I feel like that's something a father should be teaching. So time out, you know, like these are, I need to like plague on the field. We need to like hands-on with these kids so no they've they reacted to the bus better than i could have ever forecasted it was a um they they we we all cried most of the 15 hour drive home just that 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 it was it it just it just had it had us all gutted Mm -hmm. Uh, we we didn't we didn't want to leave so um no i think i think the kids had an opportunity that without having like drawn a line in the sand and changed something drastic. I don't think they would have ever had. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, fresh perspectives and just a clean start and a change, you know, I could see how clean your face is and everything. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about your, your shaving, you know, your business and uh, you know, the type of races that you sell and stuff. Like I, I could look at you and go, wow, I need that shave right now. I'm just like full beard. Even if I was just to clean up around the edges you know, tell, tell us about your product. We, um, it's actually a really neat story. Um, my brothers, our family, I'm the youngest of six kids and all of our families from around here. Um, and my two brothers, they own a, a machine shop, you know, like machines that make machine, like a CNC machines. And everybody knows the guy with the machine shop, but these guys, what they do is they make satellites. They make the fins that shoot internet down to earth. We have a bunch of parts on the Mars Rover and uh, a whole bunch of really cool stuff on the international space station. Um, we make components or we, my family, my brothers and their company um, for years have been manufacturing components that, you know, China, Netherlands, uh, Australia, you know, you name it, what's seen. There are different manufacturing companies who who fail at making incredibly complex components. And that's where these guys win. And so about last year, a year and a half ago, um, one of the biggest satellite manufacturers in the world filed for bankruptcy. And we had a seven, eight, just a ginormous contract with them. So we had nine, nine, 12 CNC machines that were out of business. My brother called me and he said, Dan, what the heck am I going to do? I'm like, don't worry. We'll get a new customer. We can do it. He's like, Dan, it takes like six years to scale up to this volume. Like, what the hell are we going to do? 
So I said, you know what, now's the time. And so we knew that that was a very brief window where COVID had just hit and we had no idea what was going on. Markets were in free fall. It was a messed up time. It was March of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I said, now's the time. I said, I I have been working in e-commerce and web and digital for the last 10 years. And they've been, you know, I hire uh, math people and they hire uh, mechanical people. And so what we did was we knew if, if anyone has ever shaved with a razor, you most people, it's uncomfortable. Most videos that you watch, they'll kind of spend the first minute and a half being like, heads up, this sucks. Don't beat yourself up if this sucks. Yeah. And it's like, wait a second, like, how are we just okay with that? And so here's our basic brain light bulb moment. Imagine like a diving board. And the further the diving board walks out, you know, it's going to be more bouncy. So imagine when you're manufacturing something, how tight something is, is really expensive. If I told you to make something where the the room for error was really small, like an aerospace component, these machines bill out at $300 an hour, like they're very expensive. So what we did was we figured that if we could design a three-piece razor where there was absolutely nothing past the diving board, the diving board wouldn't be a diving board. It would almost just be like a ledge, like a rock's ledge. And so what happens was we made this razor here and we made it on our machines and we thought, hey, if we can keep that ledge really small, it's just a three-piece razor. So you unscrew it and um, uh, there's three different pieces here. And um, what happens is the blade inside is only 10 cents. They're just regular blades. And what happens is when you screw this thing shut, um, it has such a tight grip on the blade, the blade doesn't um, move at all. It's a rock. And when it doesn't, when it doesn't, when it's a rock, it actually um, doesn't catch. And when it doesn't catch, Mm -hmm. it doesn't rip. And when it rips. So what happens is people are then shaving with this guy here. Um, This is made with tighter tolerances meaning there's less room for error in the manufacturing process than the parts that we have on the Mars Rover. We have tighter tolerances in this razor than we do up on the Mars Rover. And so what's happening is people are like, everyone has five-star reviews. Every product, every product, go and get the the junkiest product. It has five-star reviews. Our five-star reviews are like people pouring their hearts out. They're like, I'm a frontline worker. I have to wear a mask. For 20 years, it's been painful, and now it doesn't hurt. Ah. (laughs) They're just freaking out. And it's like, because everybody says, hey, we've solved shaving, we've solved shaving, we've solved shaving, and nobody ever really does. So now we're sitting here like, hey, we solved shaving. And everyone's like, yeah, cool. What's your point? Like, congratulations, get in line. The neat thing is these are made 15 feet down, 15, 15 miles down the road, 15, maybe 20 kilometers down the road from us. And they're made by the most talented people at what they do. And so our goal was to make it so that if, if even if 10 people, literally 10 of your friends, completely random, man, woman, old, young, scraggly skin, fresh and moisturized skin, you name it. If 10 people were to get this razor, Currently, around 9.7 of them, 9.8 are saying, like 98 of 100 people are saying, this is a, like objectively the, the a best razor I've ever used. So um, we have a 100-day return policy on it. And I just asked Danielle before I got on the call, the, the return to date 
like from when we started the company to now is still less than about one and a half percent, even though we have a hundred day return policy. Wow. So it's, it's basically predicated on like a, it's a, our, our job is now to just tell people about the fact that it exists, that that's all we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, When you were rubbing it on your face, did it have the razor inside of it as well? Oh yeah. Oh, so wow. he was basically oh, well, just like dry I'm, shaving. I'm just thinking right to myself, ouch, 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 with a normal razor. Yeah, there's all my hair right there. Oh, yeah. wow. That's I incredible. mean, that's probably from like the last two or three hours of growth since this morning, but yeah. <laughs> so I won't lie. I'm one of the people that like to drive shave. I don't love mm-hmm. like having to put water on my face. So like I would just tap a tiny bit and then try to dry shave with those other razors. And every once in a while, I'll come up with those razor bumps, you know? Yep. You will know you and and anyone else. They most people realize the shave is different in um, a, a, a one second. This yeah. is not like wow. a, a three weeks go by and does your skin get better over three weeks. This is you take it, you go like this, you touch it to your skin, and as soon as you touch it to your skin, you'll be like, "Is it in yet?" You'll you'll wonder if the blade's in yet, and you'll be <laughs> like, "I don't feel it." You don't you don't feel it, and you don't have to find the angle. It just I want to give our listeners a perspective because if this, if you're not seeing the video right now, you are literally tapping and dragging it along your face and there is no cut happening. There's no, he's not crying. Like, it's he's not, not painful. You could tell. Are this, you like one of those army guys who's been eating anthrax for years? <laughs> so you're like, I'm just, uh, bro, I it. work in, I work in spreadsheets. I have like callus <laughs> on my hands from like doing some plumbing like a week ago. No, I'm not a, a brulee, uh, a brulee person. I, uh, the, the, it's the, I'll give you an example. This blade, I don't know if you'll be able to see it, but for whoever's listening, the total amount of blade exposure, meaning the blade that's sticking out on this razor is 1.3 thousandths of an inch. Wow. A hair, one of your hairs is probably three or four thou. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the amount of blade sticking out on this razor is one third of the thickness of a human hair. So if wow. I wanted to hurt myself with this, I'd have to push pretty hard. Right. And so um, we've had um, of, of the, the people in our lives of our circle of influence, my, my two best friends in the world, were getting all these five-star reviews. Holy crap. You've cracked the code. Congrats. My two friends call me. They're like, Dan still bleeding. Like, congratulations, super happy for you, so proud of you, but I'm still bleeding. And I'm like, wow. There was always these two friends. And I said to them, like, guys, can you guys come over and can you show me? And they're like, they're like, no problem. So then they come over and they're like mauling. They're mauling their face. Like, just going, pressing oh, like, so what so are you doing? I'm like, ouch, mom. It was painful for my like, dude. Just, just run it let it run it along and they're like that works and then they got it so we have a sneaking suspicion um that of the two percent of the population or 1.5 percent of the population who tried our razor and don't like it we think like most of them are like doing it wrong like not i don't want to say doing it wrong because you know well they just don't know how to they just don't know how but i mean like if you were to like um you have to like try to screw it up it's yeah. it's a uh, if if there's a hundred people listening to this and a hundred people try it, most most of them will most of them will will wonder. It's almost like when I first got my Tesla, my dad was like, How do you like it? I'm like, it's conspiracy theory good. Do you know what I mean? Like it's uh-huh. it's that good. It's like my dad has a hundred and twenty thousand dollar BMW that goes zero to seven. I'm like, Dad, 
it's instant. This car is better than yours. They're different mechanics. I don't have a drive shaft that needs to like click into gear. Like it's just mm-hmm. mechanically superior. It's conspiracy theory. Good. Most people who get this, as a matter of fact, most comments that we're getting, anybody can see this, by the way, you can go to Facebook and look at any company's ads. You go to Facebook ad library, you can see all their ads. If you go and look at our ads, the comments on our ads, which is where normally trolls live, are people just like battling out. Someone will be like, oh, it's not worth it. And like 15 people are like, you're, you don't get it. You don't mm-hmm. get this product if you're saying it's not. And we're like, Danielle's like, I'm not even saying anything anymore. <laughs> we're just like letting the comments like do their thing. Because the product has built such a following of people who are like, after you kind of like cry after the industry has cried wolf a hundred times, like wolf, wolf, wolf. Then finally, when you see a wolf, you're not like wolf. You're like, holy crap, a freaking wolf. Like, finally, you know, like (laughs) the people are kind of like saying like, holy smoke, someone who's finally freaking done it. Because you can go and buy for two bucks. You can go to Alibaba Express and you can buy a razor that's currently being marketed for 80 bucks. And the words that they use to talk about it are so beautiful. Aerospace precision made, it's on Alibaba for two bucks and it's crap. But we're just dealing with a whole bunch of companies who are coming out with marketing gobbledygook on top of normal products. And now all of a sudden we're coming out with like Kevin and and James and the guys who made these razors who are like, leaders in the space you hear these guys talking on the phone with nasa about how to make their different parts better and also now they're making a razor for your face these guys have just ultimate authority and what am i going to do take a video of them and like be like here's the guys like they're making legitimately cool products and now you get to experience what those tolerances nowhere in your van do you guys have anything nowhere in your lives do you have anything that remotely resembles the tolerances they just don't exist they're not commercially viable there's no mm-hmm. money in making a razor that has these tolerances. Cause if your machinist has a bad day, they're all scrap. We scrapped like a hundred pieces the other day. We couldn't figure out what went wrong. Someone left the door open too long. So the temperature changed too much. They're all scrap. So it manufacturing these profitably is um, it's a, it's a fool's errand. And when only the fact that we partnered with my, my brother's company and they're just, they're just so friggin' good. Is anyone, anyone who gets one of the, it's like they're, it's a, it's a joy. It's a joy of ownership. They've, they've just done such a good job making it. I think the big thing about the razor industry and the reason that, you know, there's so much turnover in it. I mean, like there's so much garbage, right? So it's not like you have a lifelong friend in your razor. It's like, I have this razor for X amount of time and then I'm going to throw it away. Or like yeah. I, where I was somewhere the other day and somebody, I forgot my razor and we were at someone's house. So I looked mm-hmm. in their cupboard and they had like one of these Bixies, whatever, that was like a throwaway razor. So I'm like, okay, I'll just use that. Felt like shit. You know, you get like razor bl- like bumps all over your legs or whatever. And then ultimately that is going in the trash because I'm not going to, you know, put it back in the cupboard and pretend like I didn't use it, I guess. Right. And then I'm not going to take it with me because it was horrible, you know, but so this product that you're making, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, the sustainability of van life and, you know, reusing things and, you know, why buy something brand new when you can buy something that, you know, is not going to end up in the trash can. Right. Um, So how much did that kind of play a role in designing this? But then also on the flip side, 
the reason that these companies are so successful is that they're selling a cheaper product, but they're selling 500 of them. You know, like, you know, based on this, it's like, this has been designed so well, I'm only probably going to have to buy one. And then maybe I'll buy some from friends and family. And like, you know, I love it so much that I'm going to share it. But like, I should reasonably never really have to buy another one ever. No, no, you never should. And okay, so you you brought up so many interesting things here. So the first thing is when you come out with a product, you have to think, how are you going to tell anybody about it? Do you know what I mean? It's very difficult for people to get messages out these days. And you guys will know this. You guys have all this content. It's like, hey, how do we get more people to hear our content? Everyone's looking to get more brain space from other people. So typically, unless you're a content producer and you've got an audience like you guys, typically it costs money or energy or time to get your content to be heard. Companies are, uh, if I'm competing for someone else's time, and I like imagine your time like an auction. And like you're bidding on someone's time. Our competitors are another razor company who sells you something every two weeks. How much do you think that they can pay for your eyeballs? Right? They can pay a lot. They have unlimited budgets. They have unlimited budget because it's like a credit card. I know once that's in your pocket, I get 1% of your money for the next hundred years. Like it's worth it for me to spend a ton of money to acquire you as a customer. Here's where our bet came in on this we might make a few bucks these are made uh, legitimately exp- they're, they're not cheap to make there's a i'll give you an example and inside of this um just on the bottom here i'll show you real quick um what's called a bushing or where there's pressure that bottom post there that shiny piece that's tungsten there's tungsten in this like $70 razor i don't know if you know anything about materials but tungsten is a very very hard material like very difficult to machine, but we made it that way so that when you close it, it closes nicely. So this is a a, a low margin product. And here's what happens. We don't have any reoccurring revenue. We don't have, like if I, if, if let's say someone who's watching this, who is someone who's listening to this now says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go buy one of those. That will probably be the last time we make money from you. For all wow. intents and purposes, I don't have any. I don't have any proprietary blades. You can go get them at the drugstore. Now I'll sell mm. them on my website. I make two bucks, <laughs> so that we we buy them for eight or nine bucks and we sell them for nine ninety nine. Like we are not here to make money on an ongoing basis because the blades that are in this are ten cents each. So mm. it might it might cost you fifteen twenty cents a month to shave. There's no business there where the business comes in and where we're finding uh, a, a success is by the product being so legitimately good that people are telling people uh, that's where we win. If you see our marketing, if you see our advertising, which by the way, somehow is profitable, our cost per acquisition is uh, the, the guys who work our Facebook reps and, and all the, the advertising guys, they're all telling us our cost to get a customer is somewhere around a fifth of normal. And the only reason is because if you look at it, if you look at it, it's kind of obvious. Like it, it would, you would think it would do well. So we have like a, a high conversion rate, but the business is just, um, it, if you see an ad for our product and you buy it, um, most likely we're not making money on you. Where we make money is where their four or five friends and family come and buy. That's where like the hope of our business is something that we're resting on. And what's happening is it's it's starting to exponentially scale. Humans don't do a good job understanding exponential math, but um, it's now growing at a rapid rate. 
so the 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 we now have i think somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30,000 of these out in the wild so those 30,000 people now are now telling other people and now we're scaling our operation i think we've got 30 or 40 people on the on the project now and we're scaling that operation simply to be able to handle the new uh, the new, we just had someone put it in Japan. They thought they'd sell 500 and they sold 1500. They said it sold four times uh, better, uh, sorry, three times better than their best razor they've ever had. And then nobody, nobody in Japan knows who we are. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like we have a huge marketing effort. It's that when you look at it, you're like, now that would work. So uh, the business model, not sexy, not sexy at all. We're going to make 15, 20 bucks if we're lucky. And just to pay for your customer service team, you need to sell a lot of them. So it's not a glorious business. It was done because for frick's sakes, it ought to be done. That mm-hmm. was why we started this. Because it's it's stupid that we all can't have a smooth shave. And when our wives, we first made the product, we brought it back and we gave it to all the wives, my myself, my, my, my wife and my two brothers' wives. And these are women who are strong, confident women. They don't they don't sugarcoat anything. Um, and they tell you what you need to hear when you need to hear it. And they came back and they were like, guys, like this thing is by by far the best. I get into too much detail here, but for women, leave it at that, uh, is the best they've ever experienced. It's amazing. And um, and so um, you know, the guy ends up benefiting uh in some way or another and uh you know everybody seems to win so um it it, what happens when you go to market with a product that if you hand it to 10 people most of them agree it's the best and every i'm sitting here on a street every house here every person you know literally every person you know would benefit from this product it's not like a oh if you know have you ever walked in and stubbed your toe on a red on a red brick? And you're like, oh, I built a red brick cover. It's like literally every human, the person who just drove by, would likely be a better morning routine if they had our product than than if they didn't, because it's it it genuinely works. So that's where we're sitting here, going, how do we grow the business, and what is the business direction, and what's the focus? When you know, if you were to say, who's your customer? Most people have a big, huge marketing pamphlet about who our customer. I'm like that guy, you know, that guy there. Oh, hey, there, Jimmy, right there. That's our customer. You're our customer. Like every mm-hmm. everyone who shaves and goes, this is stupid. Those are our customers. So let's talk about sustainability then in terms of, you know, you're going to have one instead of, you know, in your lifetime, there's got to be a statistic about like how many razors somebody goes through in their life, you know? It's so crazy. how is your product different in that way? Somebody said to me, they were like, well, what's the difference between your razor and the razor I learned to shave on 20 years ago? I said, well, for one thing, you know, if it was ours, you'd still have it. Um, And that was like, you know, you can say all you want. That was on the light bulb. You could see it right there. They're like, oh, you'd have that razor. I'm like, yeah, that would be it. Like this is made of materials that will not degrade or change. They're just, it'll be here the same forever. So um, we figure that the, um, the notion of a FedEx driver leaving a depot, driving down your laneway, and walking while he's idling up your driveway and putting your razor blades that have been imported from China with uh, 19 pounds of plastic. Uh, mm. like it's just this exorbitant concept versus now um, we sell for $10. Uh, the razor's 70 bucks and for 10 bucks more, you get a hundred blades. That's four, four years. You're, eight, you're, you're 80 bucks and you're, you're never thinking about shaving for four years. 
And uh, I would imagine uh, probably a couple of garbage bags of plastic wow. per person. And that's not just a couple of garbage bags that aren't going to landfills. That's a couple of garbage bags that aren't being flown, driven, and trained around. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking at, although the motivation for the business wasn't conceived uh, with, um, wasn't conceived with, uh, like environmental, environmental stewardship. It, was, yeah. it, it wasn't. And you know what? I don't want to sit here and play a trumpet that's not a genuine trumpet. That was not in our hearts when we started the company. Our mm-hmm. hearts was to create an excellent product that people would appreciate. And at the same time, I live my life with an underlying premise, underlying premise that we need to be good stewards of our resources. So to me, it was an auxiliary benefit of look at this ridiculous amount of plastic and a ridiculous amount of energy that doesn't need to go in. However, I can't claim... We've sold 30,000 of these, you know, China would sneeze in two seconds, two Mm -hmm. seconds, China would sneeze. So I can't sit here holier than now saying what an impact we're making, because I I don't believe that's the case. I believe that we created a product that for those who are lucky enough to experience it, they would have a different day than if they didn't experience it. That's that was the origin. That was the reason we created this is because we knew that we could. These razors sound pretty great to us, and we are very excited to offer all of the listeners here on the podcast a special discount code. I'm definitely going to be using this razor once winter starts to come to an end because I need my beard. Frank's for the rocking time. A, a giant beard right now. It is out of control. I might and have I, to use it before Hawaii. I can't wait to shave your face. So anyways, <laughs> if you want to pick up a super sweet Henson razor, if you use the code FNA space van space life on their website to buy a razor, you'll get a hundred pack of blades for free. So it's a $70 investment that will get you two to three years of irritation free, zero plastic shaving. So head on over to HensonShaven.com and claim your coupon today. So let me bring it back to van life for a second. How has it been being the CEO of, you know, a fairly new business? I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, strings to be pulling and things to be managing and all that. You know, how has that been throughout your time on the road? How it's been for me overall has been very good. Uh, I've been very fortunate in the sense that I had a combination of really good luck and really good sense to build a team that would be both willing and excited to support me while I'm gone. But also um, there's the line between, you know, those people who um, they are, there's people who do their job and then there's people who do their job really, really well and encourage you and motivate you to do your job better just to kind of keep up with them. I had, uh, again, the good fortune, uh, luck, and um, uh, the good sense to partner with those people early. The core team at Henson is Danielle, who does customer service, who she's smart as a tack, and she loves people more than anything. So everyone's happy. You know, what if you're super smart and you love people, I mean, can you do customer service? Of course you can. So she loves her life. Um, Ashley is our marketing officer. He can, you can give him a, a complicated math formula and he'll just tell you that it's two apples. He'll come somehow distill the most complicated things into the most simple things. And he's the best guy I've ever met in my life. Why wouldn't you have him as your marketing officer? Our person who oversees our traffic acquisition and website e-commerce uh, optimization, meaning changing things on the website to make it convert better, is one of the smartest guys I know who just likes things to be simple and honest. Why wouldn't you have that guy running your website? And the guy overseeing our logistics is just a guy who no matter where he is or what he's doing, everything kind of has a plan and everything clicks for him. So why wouldn't you have that guy running your logistics? So then all of a sudden when you're like, hey, I want to go take care of my kids, 
every you're kind of like checking in how are things and everyone's just like great you know you're everything's fine so the company's direction and the oversight of the company normally would be more difficult than it was with the, with such a fantastic team so i have now got completely as long as i have internet access i'm completely untethered um i will say uh and i don't want to be too i don't want to be too uh positive here i want to keep this as not bs as possible the focus that the van uh the van life the focus that having the bus consumed from me was more than i ideally would have liked to have it was too much focus for me it was too difficult uh we just missed the tornadoes that hit by five miles Oh my um, goodness. yeah, we were, it was, a, it was a show. We were coming home and we saw on the radar and we were like, okay. And we kind of picked a spot and it went above us and below us. Wow. And there was a truck thrown, uh, I'm going to say 50 feet where we were like, uh, do we take pictures? We just, take, we, it wasn't cool. We could, we should, we couldn't have taken pictures. It was just mm-hmm. so it would have been not respectful. Uh, and 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 you're sitting there the, the sheer number of variables that need to be in your mind to have your kids happy your wife happy your employees happy your customers happy and the bus happy and me happy oh yeah don't forget that one um <laughs> you know those variables the van life or the bus consumes that energy so mm-hmm. what i would say is that before you commit to a van life or a bus life you want to have as many um what is the whole thing um uh, the guy who runs Facebook, um, uh, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg wears the same shirt every day because it's a variable that he doesn't have time for. He doesn't have any energy to think about his shirt. So he just wears the same one every day. The best thing that somebody could do who's running a business and thinking about doing this life is to really set yourself up to have as much that you don't have to think about as possible because I worry the van consumes a little more focus then mm-hmm. I think people give it credit for it. They're like, oh, I'm just going to drive around. you got to think where you're parking. You've got to think about security. You've got to think about electricity and resource management. I've got 575 watts upstairs. I've got to factor my electricity consumption on my 300 amp batteries over the course of the day. Am I going to have hot water today or am I going to run air conditioning today? Because I can't run both. So then now all of a sudden you're planning your shower, not based on your calendar, based on your calendar and your water supply. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot. So the, it's a lot. It's a it's a lot. So then, all these other variables that get added into your day are just, um, you know, it's a crowded room, and four more people just elbowed themselves in, going, "Got room for me?" And you're like, "I mean, now I do. <laughs> you're here." So there's all these new things to worry about, and uh, so no, the 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 it as much as it gives, it takes. Uh, pardon, I shouldn't say that. As much as it gives, that's not true. It, we have found it to give significantly more. What people have to remember is that it's going to take, mm-hmm. and we need to be okay and ready for it to take, knowing that that energy it's going to take, we want to have as many things predetermined as possible. So having a good area of responsibility map. You know, Rachel and I found out, I was like, Rachel, it's hard for me to think about where we're going next while think about where the business is going next. Would you mind like being responsible for where we're going? She's like, sure. And then everything just got smoother. It's like, well, why didn't we do that from the beginning? Mm -hmm. So having many things that are preordained, having as many things that are preordained and pre-established as possible, um, to me, comes back to that underlying premise of being comfortable, uh, having a shower that kind of just runs rather than 
oh crap and i gotta like go turn the hot water heater on and we haven't fed through oh shoot someone was using the sink so the wire's not gonna i got a valve that i gotta turn on having those things tidied up i think is going to change our outlook and so i think that it's more there's more joy in this than i think people will know until they do it there there's no way you can know the joy that's in it the other side of the table is to have as many of those variables worked out ahead of time before you start. If that's the case, it, it, I imagine our next trip is going to be a, a 15 out of 10. Like if we can get rid of those, those, those liabilities, the rest is just, it's just free. I love the passion that you have about not only your company, but the people that work for you as well as bus life you know, van life, living nomadically. It's amazing to see it. It's amazing to see it from a business owner, entrepreneur, somebody with the intelligence that you have to do what you do. It's just wonderful to kind of wrap things up. What what would your advice be to the people out there that are getting into the lifestyle of bus life and or and the people that are entrepreneurs as well? Um, I'd say follow your gut. I think that um, I think that a lot of people who make decisions, especially for people like me, I'm an eight and I'm an analyst. I mean, sometimes I think I'm an analyst and um, I can, I can put myself in, if anybody's seen the meme divided by zero, it's a math joke where if you divide by zero, the world explodes. There's a world where you can enter into a loop. And as soon as you're up here, as soon as you're in your head, um, you can actually sort of take it anywhere uh, that it will kind of automatically go. And what we try to do is we try to bring it down here. We try to bring the decisions. We try to speak from this frequency down here. We try to speak from our essence. It sounds like I'm uh, smoking something in the seventies here, but um, <laughs> well, you do try, live in the bus. <laughs> I guess, <you> know? <laughs> so we try to, if we, if I were to tell somebody like the, the biggest thing that I got sucked into before we decided to do this was the pros and cons list. It was too much up here. As soon as I decided to start saying, look, man, shut up and tell me what you want. Well, what I want is to go for two months and I want to come home and look at my house with fresh eyes. It's like, well, then shut up and do it. Mm-hmm. So I think the advice that I would give to somebody is to stop thinking and to start feeling. And I think if they were to start making more decisions based off a raw gut reaction of what it is that they want, then all of a sudden they can say, the thing that I want, I'm just going to go get it. It's not about you know thinking it, all the stuff in your head. It's about doing what you want to do with the time that you have. As soon as people realize that they're at choice, as soon as they realize that everything that's around them secretly is a product of what they subconsciously want, they can realize that they can actually go get whatever they want. And as soon as they realize that they're at choice to go get whatever they want, the path to go get it somehow magically will appear in front of you. And so uh, what did they say? When the intention is clear, uh, the mechanism will appear. The way to go about getting what you want is by deciding that you're going to go get it. So I would say to you, anyone listening, decide what it is that you want. Decide how you want to feel. Decide how you want to look. Decide what you want to do. And then just shut up and do it. We absolutely love that. We are huge proponents of leap and the net will appear, you know, just trusting that gut feeling and going for it. Um, If anybody wants to trust their gut feeling today and go pick up one of your beautiful razor blades, (laughs) where can they do that? 
Henson Shaving, man, Google it. Don't go to our website. Go see what other people are saying. We're going to tell you a whole bunch of stuff that we want to say. Go find out what others are saying. Uh, the razor is uh, is being well reviewed. Good. Thank you so much, Daniel. We are so happy that, to have you on the show today. And we hope that uh, one day we'll roll up into a campsite and see your giant blue bus and we'll, we'll come oh, and gosh. say hello. Can't miss it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Damn, Daniel, that was a great conversation, man. Honestly, we had such a great time chatting with you. And I hope that everybody out there picked up something of value, whether it was about the razors, whether it was just about bus life or starting your own business. You know, there's so many different things that you could pick and choose to learn from these type of conversations. Yeah. And it's just interesting to hear how different people are living on the road. I certainly enjoyed listening to Daniel. I feel like he's a super educated guy. He's very smart. And all the way that he analogized things about, you know, like the, the way that... Just the way he articulated it. Oh, I it just... It was beautiful. Yes, absolutely. And so we were super grateful to have him on the show. Again, if you want to pick up a pack of 100 razor blades for free, use the code FNA Van Life when you're buying your razor at HensonShaving.com. We just love supporting nomads. And we think that you know, anybody who's living out here on the road, who's doing it, who's making it happen, you know, we want to support your business. Kudos to you. If they're, if you're somebody who's a maker or a tinkerer or you have something that you want to share, please reach out to us because, you know, we're all in this together. And I want to say we're not biased. Even if you are a part-time, you know, nomad, we don't care. We want to support you. You're part of the same community that we are. We just, we just love to put ourselves out there and help each other out. Because I think that's what it's all about. Look how much help we've gotten in the recent months, you know, in the in the last year. Like, let, the, let's recap the year. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, the last year, we literally had people offer us their driveway and tools to build out a van. Yeah. We had companies help us get to different places. We had friends that allowed us to take showers in their homes. We've had um, people give us their codes so that we could get free showers at rest stops. Yeah, it's just incredible how many people have literally helped us this year. Yeah, we're incredibly grateful. And, you know, they say it takes a village, and I feel like... We got one here with oh, you guys. We are so grateful for our village. We could not do it without you guys. Whether you're new to the podcast or you've been here for a long time, you know, we are just super grateful that we've been able to make a business and make a living out of being on the road. And a lot of it has to do with the kindness of people that we meet along the way. Yeah. I mean, even today where we are, you know, we had an issue with our heater and sure enough, the people that we met in the parking lot the other night, because we both have dogs, you know, wound up offering a hand when I was trying to fix the heater. And I didn't take the, you know, I didn't take the I'm help. I'm glad you didn't because your jacket got ruined. It got ruined. And I would have felt so bad for him. But even the idea of somebody suggest like saying hey could i help you is just an amazing gesture yeah we're super grateful we feel really blessed we also feel very tired yes <laughs> like currently in this moment i wrecked myself on the snowboard earlier today and i think i have like a whiplash concussion right <laughs> i mean you guys are definitely gonna want to go check out the youtube channel for the winter van life stuff we're doing quite a bit of snowboarding we're gonna be hitting hawaii soon it's gonna be all different types of stuff that you're gonna get to see i i'm excited for it all i mean you know how much i love snowboarding so um that's why i'm so jacked up right now i guess alex is tired i'm feeling pretty good right now yeah my legs are a little sore but hey we'll get past that you know 
Luckily, we have this beautiful, warm van to stretch out. We're going to do some self-care, some self-love, roll our muscles out, roll our backs out. Before we get out of this podcast too, Alex, what's a New Year's resolution for you since we are in the new year? And this is the first podcast of the new year. I want to nap more. Alex wants to nap more. Great job, babe. So I got to, I want to wake up at 6 a.m. and start work early. And that way I have the whole day ahead of me. Um, you know, be done but with work by about 8. Enjoy the day or activity, whatever we're doing that day. Even if it's just a drive. At least I know I got something done, right? All right, guys, I'm taking prop bets. How long do we think Frankie's going to keep waking up at 6 a.m.? I'm going to say four days. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My New Year's resolution didn't even last one week. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. It's already two days in a row. Oh, well, I guess, yeah, one day in a row, two days in a row. The day before New Year's, I started right. it, technically. Um, and then I, I, I'm really excited to... Um, what was my other one? Oh, my other one is just to like be more uh, present in my physical abilities. So like be aware of like needing to stretch and stretching more, you know, maybe doing some push-ups and sit-ups, just getting a little bit better physical shape because even though I'm in very good physical shape, I could definitely be stronger. I feel like my, my muscles could use just a little bit of work. You look great, baby. Thank you. I appreciate that, sweetie. Mm-hmm. I think she said that because she has to. No, I don't. Oh, that's true. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, you, you don't have to. I think that my New Year's resolutions are always based around like meditating more and becoming more spiritual and working on my body more. And I feel like I get wrapped up in work a lot and I just get like taken away by the internet or the emails or the editing or whatever. And I really need to like step back and take some time for myself. So really maybe taking more naps is my resolution. All right. So now what about one goal? Give me one goal that you have for the new year. Like what is the one thing that you want to happen? That's a long, hard pause. She has no <laughs> idea what she wants. Uh, so for me, I, I want to be able to um, just grow this business a lot more. You know, I want to get to a point where we're not worried in any type of way of, you know, financial stability, right? Not that we're doing bad. We're doing very good in the general sense of where we're at and, you know, our, you know, how much money it costs for us to live. But I want to get to a point where we're making pretty much at least one of our salaries from when we were in New York. Yeah, we're not close to that. No, we're nowhere near that. So, you know, if we could get to that point by the end of the year, I think that we would be in a very happy place. Mm-hmm. Not that money makes us happy, but it definitely helps. Well, and also I feel like the stress of not having money that's, is... That's the hard part. Yeah, like, and it's not like we're fighting about it or anything, but like it's like, ooh, we can't do that or we can't sign up for that or we can, you yeah. know. You have to think about things a little bit more, whereas if you were in a little bit of a better place, then you could just say yes to life a lot more. We want to be able to go on every excur- excursion that we want, you know, that you guys want to see even. Um, and sometimes we're held back from doing those things just because of funding purposes. So if we could get to a place where funds aren't an issue and we could like go skydiving or something just off the cuff, you know, something different than what we do now, because a lot of the stuff we do are pretty much free activities. But yeah. So I think for me, that's my biggest goal. I have a whole list of goals written down somewhere. Give me one. Uh, just one. I know I'm putting you on the spot, babe, but you know, you got, you got to be, come on. 
Come on, snappy. I'm I know concussed. you're tired. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the one goal that I'm excited about is figuring out another income stream. I mean, it's all about money, I guess, our goals. But um, we've decided that we're going to start making Amazon videos um, to kind of beef up our affiliate program so that, uh, you know, we've seen other people be really successful with these and we have the skills, we have the tools, we have everything we need. All you have to do is make a quick, short little video about a product that you love that is available for sale on Amazon. And then if anybody on the whole wide internet watches that video and then decides to buy that product, you get a kickback. So rather than having being based around us and people who like us and our videos strictly and like our that. performance right it's a more just about if people being wanna, able to produce a high quality video yeah and if people want to you know buy that product in particular so we are going to have to find products that are good for our lifestyle that are high volume i think we just items, go through the house and see everything we already own from them that's exactly what we're going to do <laughs> <laughs> well regardless we are so thankful to have you guys here thank you for doing a whole nother year with us we can't wait to continue the podcast throughout this next year and for many years to come Hopefully, you know, we're doing this for the next 10 years. Imagine that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I mean, you know, we started a year and a half ago, but we've had a couple of, you know, fits and starts. So our goal for this year is to stay consistent one episode per week. I think we stayed consistent this year. Well, we only after we got back on the road. Because we stopped when we were building. All right. So we're going to be consistent, (laughs) fully consistent this year. One video a week. There it is. That's a goal, babe. I love it. And that's a goal that you guys can enjoy as well. Um, If you guys have any questions that you want us to ask, definitely shoot us an email or an Instagram uh, DM. You could find us with the email at fnavanlife at gmail.com or fnavanlife on Instagram and everything else. So please feel free to shoot us a question. We would love to answer it in the podcast. And we're so thankful for you guys again. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. And we hope you have an FNA day. That's right, baby.